Good morning, and welcome to Overeaters Anonymous, a vision for you big book study. My name is Larry Kay, and I'm a recovered compulsive overeater from Chicago. Today is Friday, January 20th, 2017. <laughs> and, and today, oh, I hear someone coughing. Um, if everyone could mute their lines. So again, today is Friday, January 20th, 2017, and today we're reading from the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous. And we are currently on page XXXI, the first paragraph, which starts, what is the solution? And we're going to read through two paragraphs ending, has passed with no return to alcohol. All right, today's readers, we have Mary B. on the 12 steps, and we have Maura Z. on the 12 traditions. And, of course, the readers of the text this morning, we have Kathy S., Chris G. and Sarah W. The, uh, the reference number for yesterday, which was uh, January 19th, is 9496. That's 9496. The OA preamble, Overeaters Anonymous is a fellowship of individuals who through shared experience, strength, and hope are recovering from compulsible reading. We welcome everyone who wants to stop eating compulsively. There are no dues or fees for members. We are self-supporting through our own contributions, neither soliciting nor accepting outside donations. OA is not affiliated with any public or private organization, political movement, ideology, or, re- or religious doctrine. We take no position on outside issues. Our primary purpose is to abstain from compulsive eating and compulsive food behaviors and to carry the message of recovery through the 12 steps of OA to those who still suffer. Our sole purpose, OA's fifth tradition states, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. At a Vision for You Big Book study, our message is that people who suffer from compulsive overeating can recover through abstinence and the practice of the 12 steps and the 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. I will now ask Mary B. if you'd be kind enough to read the 12 steps. I will. Good morning, Larry. Good morning. Thank you very much. This is Mary B., gratefully recovered from Central California, calling from Yuma, Arizona this morning, and a compulsive eater for sure. The 12 steps. One, we admitted we were powerless over food, that our lives had become unmanageable. Two, came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. Three, made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood him. Four, made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. Five, admitted to God, to ourselves, and to another human being the exact nature of our wrongs. Six were entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character. Seven humbly asked him to remove our shortcomings. Eight made a list of all persons we had harmed and became willing to make amends to them all. Nine made direct amends to such people wherever possible except when to do so would injure them or others. Ten, continued to take personal inventory, and when we were wrong, promptly admitted it. Eleven, sought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood him, praying only for knowledge of his will for us and the power to carry that out. 
12, having had a spiritual awakening as a result of these steps, we try to carry this message to compulsive overeaters and to practice these principles in all our affairs. Thank you for the opportunity to be of service. Thank you, Mary. Okay, now I'll ask, um, hey, Maura, would you read the 12 traditions for us, Maura Z? Hey, Larry, I'd love to. <laughs> Thank you. Maura Z recovered in Virginia. Good morning. 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. One, our common welfare should come first. Personal recovery depends upon OA unity. Two, for our group purpose, there is but one ultimate authority. A loving God as he may express himself in our group conscience. Our leaders are but trusted servants. They do not govern. Three, the only requirement for OA membership is a desire to stop eating compulsively. Four, each group should be autonomous except in matters affecting other groups or OA as a whole. Five, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. Six, an OA group ought never endorse, finance, or lend the OA name to any related facility or outside enterprise, lest problems of money, property, and prestige divert us from our primary purpose. Seven, every OA group ought to be fully self-supported, declining outside contributions. Eight, Overeaters Anonymous should remain forever non-professional, but our service centers may employ special workers. OA as such ought never be organized, but we may create service boards or committees directly responsible to those they serve. 10, Overeaters Anonymous has no opinion on outside issues. Hence, the OA name ought never be drawn into public controversy. 11, our public relations policy is based on attraction rather than promotion. We need always maintain personal anonymity at the level of press, radio, film, television, and other public media of communication. 12, anonymity is the spiritual foundation of all these traditions, ever reminding us to place principles before personalities. I pass. Thank you, Maura. Okay, how our meeting works. Our meeting focuses on the directions for recovery described in the Big Book of Alcoholics Anonymous. We read a paragraph or two from the literature, then stop and share on what was read. Anyone can share, but we ask that you keep your sharing to the topic and literature we're discussing, and that you keep your share to approximately three minutes. Singleness of purpose reminds us to identify as compulsive overeaters only. Our abstinence requirement for moderators is one year, and for readers is six months. There's no abstinence requirement for sharing on topic. This meeting does request that your sharing be directly linked to what was read. We are sharing what the directions in the big book mean to us. To share, press star one to unmute your phone. And once you're done sharing, let us know by saying pass, then press star one to mute your phone again. In order to have a quiet meeting, everyone's phone except the speaker should be muted. So today we're gonna, we're gonna pick up where we left off uh, in the big book in the doctor's opinion. And we are currently on page XXXI. We're reading the uh, the first paragraph starting, what is the solution? And uh, Kathy S. is going to read through uh, two paragraphs, ending, has passed with no return to alcohol. And then we're going to, we're going to share on both, on both paragraphs. So 
Good morning, Kathy. Good morning, Larry. Can you hear me okay? Yeah, absolutely. Yes? Yeah, yeah, I can hear you great. Okay, perfect. Just double-checking. Um, good morning, everybody. This is Kathy S. from Maryland, a compulsive overeater. Um, let's start. What is the solution? Perhaps I can best answer this by relating one of my own experiences. About one year prior to this experience, a man was brought in to be treated for chronic alcoholism. He had but partially recovered from a gastric hemorrhage and seemed to be a case of pathological mental deterioration. He had lost everything worthwhile in his life and was only living, one might say, to drink. He frankly admitted it and believed that for him there was no hope. Following the elimination of alcohol, there was found to be no permanent brain injury. He accepted the plan outlined in the book. One year later, he called to see me, and I experienced a very strange sensation. I knew the man my name and partly recognized his features, but all of the resemblance ended. From a trembling, despairing, nervous wreck had emerged a man brimming over with self-reliance and contentment. I talked with him for some time, but was not able to bring myself to feel that I had known him before. To me, he was a stranger, and so he left me. A long time had passed with no return of alcohol. I think this paragraph um, just so clearly outlined the beauty of the miracle of recovery. It starts at the top, and it's going on and on with the downward cycle that I knew I had, I had gone through myself, just one thing after another, and, and getting to that rock-bottom place where I felt there was absolutely, absolutely no hope. But the, the critical key is really the next two sentences. Following the elimination of alcohol, and for me, that was following the elimination of my binge foods, following a plan of eating. There was, no, luckily, no permanent brain injury, although I did suffer some other permanent ills. He accepted the plan outlined in the book. The word accepted, that is a critical key. I accepted the plan outlined in this book. I worked the 12 steps as written, and then the miracle was able to take forward. And I do understand this not being recognized when I, I had not seen some of the people I had worked with for over a year and I'd gone to a conference and they had no idea who I was. They didn't recognize me. They couldn't believe I was the same person. And then they started interrogating me. What did you do? What did you do? And thinking I'd gone to some extremes, I said, no, I just worked the program, worked the program, nothing fancy. That's all I did. But the miracle can happen, and it has happened to so many on this call right now. And But the critical key, more than anything else, if you walk away with nothing else from this, is the one sentence, he accepted the plan outlined in the book. When I was willing to accept this program of recovery as written, not tailored to my own personal desires, then the miracle of recovery could then take forth in me. And with that, I pass. Thank you so much, Kathy. Okay, we're going to open it up to sharing. So who would like to uh, to comment? Tina S. Kelly, Leanne, Leanne W. Reva P. Danielle. Leanne W. Harley R. Melissa C. Vasa O. 
Okay, let me tell you who I have right now. I, I know I left someone out in here, and she's going to... This is Sherry Katz. I'd like to share. What, what was your name again? Sherry. Sherry. All right, Sherry. And I know I left someone out here, so let me read the list I have. I heard Tina. I heard Leanne. I heard Reva, Harlan, Melissa, Vasa, and Sherry, and I missed someone in there. Danielle, you Kelly. missed me. Okay, Kelly Danielle, Dan. I'm going to put you in there, and Kelly... Julie R. And Julie. All right, let's go with this list for now. And here's the order we're going to do it in. So we're going to start off with uh, with Tina, and then Leanne, and then Danielle, followed by Reva, Harlan, Melissa, Vasa, Sherry, Kelly, and Julie. So we got quite a list here. <clears throat> Starting with my friend from Florida, Tina, followed by Leanne. Tina, good morning. Good morning, Larry. Uh, thanks for your service, Tina. Uh, sure. Recovered compulsive overeater and anorexic, and wow, you know, when I initially read this, these two paragraphs, I I get so far removed. I don't know what the deal is. And after the previous share, I was like, oh my God, I certainly relate to all of this, you know. And because uh, I always want to think that I wasn't that bad, and uh, you know, I totally related to the the feeling of the hopelessness, and that for the rest of my life, I was going to be destined to that mental deterioration and that there was not an answer, you know, and that I would have to li live in this disease until I died. And I certainly pray to die all the time, you know, and being uh, all over this disease, I'm sure many people were like that, you know, I came in initially back in 1980 early 80s as a compulsive eater at 160 pounds and then you know my accident date is in July of uh, 1999 and I came and I was 90 pounds so you know it's just whatever I tried to do over the years to to live a normal life certainly did not work and and I say this for me because I was also an Alcoholics Anonymous for seven years and didn't drink so it's kind of like and I had worked the 12 steps as it had to do with my alcoholism but certainly I was keeping this food deal to myself and and I love that it talks about in here that once he accepted the plan in the book which for me you know I have to be totally powerless over everything and I was totally powerless over this food deal and this weight deal and my life was totally unmanageable you know and the only way and then you know I I abstain from my alcoholic foods I start to eat you know in a way and I start to work with a sponsor who by the way wants to work these 12 steps through the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous and I thought well, why are we doing this you know this is an AA and the transformation was unbelievable and I felt it, but the people that told me that I was a totally different person, it was amazing. It was amazing. So one day at a time, I continued to do the deal, and I continued to get it. And i got to give this thing away. You know, I just have to do that because I am so passionate, and with that, I'll pass. Thanks. Thanks so much, <clears throat> Tina. Okay, next we have Leanne, followed by Danielle. Leanne, good morning. Good morning. This is Leanne W. from Massachusetts. I'm grateful, recovered, compulsive overeater in I really just wanted to share quickly about how this spoke to me. I mean, I came into OA back in the 90s, and when I came in, it was very much um, what I feel was a diet club. I was forever being given a, a food plan and told to call a sponsor, report my food in every day. And while I do know that there's a lot of value in that, that's about as far as I ever got. My calls to my sponsor included me talking about all my problems and hurry to listening and or giving me advice. But never was I 
given the plan that was outlined in this book. And it really wasn't until I started listening to A Vision for You and actually got a sponsor where I started to really look at this book. I mean, it was for years I was attending OA and never even opened the big book. And so um, for me, once the plan was outlined in this book and I actually went through the steps, this is when I really saw sort of what the program was all about and how I could become spiritually recovered um, and have that uh, psychic change, that personality change that was vital uh, for me to continue to remain abstinent and continue to work this program. And so I can't stress enough um, the importance of going to meetings and talking about the big book and presenting the big book to folks because just, you know, handing someone a food plan and asking them to just um, follow the just the food plan. It, it's for me, you know, just like it says here. I mean, it's it's all about the steps and working the steps on a daily basis. And with that, I pass. Thank you. Thanks so much, Leanne. Okay, we have Danielle followed by Riva. Danielle, good morning. Your turn. Hey, Danielle, we can't hear you. If you can press star one. Hi, Danielle. Thank you. Thank you, everyone, sure. for being here this morning. I am a compulsive overeater from northern New York, the very northern part of New York. I am uh, amazed at the miracles that keep happening as a result of being here and listening and watching <clears throat> the solution unfold in front of me. I've been around programs for a little while, but that doesn't mean I have it all. I, I remember when I first came in, I was very obstinate, and one of the things they suggested was to check with a dietitian to make sure that, you know, you, you have a right, uh, an appropriate food plan. I put that lady through living, living hell because I was just not going to listen. I didn't want to do this, and little did I understand that I had a disease, and the disease was going to have its way with me if I didn't do something, and it took... Uh, ending up with neuropathy, <clears throat> neuropathy in my feet before I would pay attention to the fact that, you know, food was sick in my butt and I, and I knew it. And I needed help. And by coming here and staying here, listening to the directions, opening, opening the book and reading it and not just interpreting it the way I needed to interpret it, I needed to listen and have the guidance of other people to help me through that. And I did ask for that help, and I and as a result, I'm here, and I've stayed here. I know that I'm a, I'm a low-bottom food addict because of my attitudes and behaviors, and I know I need help. And I'm grateful that this, this meeting is here every morning for me to share that because it, it's helping me so much to remind myself that I need help every day. And it's either I'm going to pray about it, I'm going to talk to somebody, I'm going to be on a phone meeting, whatever it takes. I, I know that it, it's there for me when I need it. So I really appreciate everyone listening this morning. And uh, before I get into a bad section of my travels, uh, I will pass with that. Thank you. Thanks so much, Danielle. Let's go from Israel to Scottsdale to New York. Reva, good morning. Good morning. It's Reva P., grateful, recovered, compulsive overeater in Toronto. This uh, reading talks about the solution. And what is a solution? It's the answer to my problem. And it implies that there's an access, an action or a process of solving this problem, 
which is so hopeful. So up until now, Dr. Silkworth has um, educated me on what my problem is, the twofold nature of my problem. I have an allergy of the body and an obsession of the mind. Um, and from my experience, no professional and me with all my degrees and all my smarts and all my best thinking couldn't figure this out and couldn't fix it. And I too thought that there was no hope. Um, and I had to be totally desperate um, at my bottom where I tried everything and there was nothing else to try. Um, and then he talks about, you know, how does this work? Two things. He put down his alcohol, or in our case, our binge foods, binge ingredients, um, and compulsive food behaviors. And then he did what it told him to do in the book. And he was a different man. And that reminds me that this is a program that goes way beyond the physical. Um, it's not about abstinence only. It's about change. And people that I see who are recovered have had this transformation and they are not the same people. It's like I recognize them, but they're not the same. And that's what this doctor's talking about, the same experience. And that's so attractive um, and so motivating. Um, so for me, it's beyond the food. It's about changing my thinking and becoming the person that this higher power um, envisions me to be. And um, that's a process and um, actions that I'll be taking the rest of my life. With that, I pass. Thanks, Reeve. I moved you from Toronto to Israel. <laughs> but I know this next guy's in Scottsdale. Harlan, good morning. Good morning, Larry. Harlan G., recovered compulsive overeater, indeed from Scottsdale, Arizona. Can I be heard okay? Yeah, I can hear you great. Oh, great. Thanks, Larry, for your service, and thanks to Team Friday for your service. No matter how far down the scale we have gone, we will see how our experience can benefit others. It's one of the promises of this program. And the person that we're talking about here is Bill Wilson. On Monday, we're going to be talking about a paragraph concerning Hank Parkhurst. Excuse me, Hank Parkhurst. Bill Wilson was a guy who is described here. He couldn't eat. He had a gastric hemorrhage. He describes himself in his story as 40 pounds underweight. Many of you who have seen pictures of Bill know that he certainly didn't have 40 pounds to lose. He was in very bad shape mentally and physically. He was a depressant. He suffered from anxiety. He suffered from gastric hemorrhage. He suffered from alcoholism. Need I say more? And yet, when it says here, he accepted the plan outlined in this book, one year later, he called to see me, and I experienced a very strange sensation. I knew the man by name and partly recognized his features, but there all resemblance ended. From a trembling, despairing, nervous wreck, it emerged a man brimming over with self-reliance and con excuse me, contentment. I talked with him for some time but was not able to bring myself to feel that I had known him before. To me, he was a stranger, and so he left me. A long time has passed with no return to alcohol. Look at the transformation. The horrible nightmare of the illness is only overwhelmed by the tremendous release of power of the recovery. 
I remember going to my high school reunion for you Chicagoans. I went to Mather High School on the on the north side. I went to my high school reunion in 2002, and I had to show my driver's license to some people there because they hadn't seen me for a long time. And they said to me, you can't be Harlan Grabowski. He died. We heard he died. But I was alive. I wasn't alive because of what I did. I wasn't alive because of my cunning or my smarts. I was alive because of the awesome power of this program. I was alive and living free of the food because of these 12 steps. The miracles here are unbelievable, and we haven't used them up. There are miracles here for everyone listening, and 10,000 times that, the miracles for the people that are not listening. This is the most awesome way of life imaginable, and there are things that will transform us to the better that we can't even imagine right now. It says on page 63, we were reborn. And that has been true for me in every sense of the word. Stick around. Don't leave. Don't leave. Don't quit five minutes before the miracle that's happening for you. And with that, I'll pass. Thanks. Thanks, Harlan. <clears throat> okay, we have Melissa next, followed by Vasa. Melissa, good morning. Hi, good morning, Larry. Good morning, everyone. It's Melissa Say, recovered in New York. And I mean, this part is just so exciting because um, I'm not alone here in having experienced the miracle of, of being recovered. And, you know, um, these stories, um, they're real. You know, this is my truth that um, I was a mess. I was physically a mess. I was morbidly obese. That's how my disease presented itself in my body. And I was in agony. I was in pain every day, physical pain, emotional pain, um, spiritual pain. Um, and, and, you know, um, and that is not my story any longer, you know, and it's not something that I did um, to myself. You know, none of it was something I did to myself. My my disease I didn't necessarily do to myself and my recovery didn't I didn't do to myself, but I surrendered, you know, and so there's something really powerful about um falling to your knees in agony, you know, having a a um a a hemorrhage, you know, a gastric hemorrhage. You think, My God, it can't get any worse than that and you know, and that was how um I was pretty beaten down as well. You know, I, my blood pressure was out of control. I needed to have surgery and the surgeon wouldn't even talk to me about surgery until I had my blood pressure under control. And, you know, and I was in my early forties at this time. So, and that was crazy. I, you know, I physically couldn't sit in the kitchen chairs in my own house. I, um, and I couldn't stop eating and I was terrified. I, would drive to work every morning um, shaking. I was terrified that I was dying, um, and um, and I was killing myself. I mean, that's the truth. And, you know, and so what changed, what happened was I completely, I conceded to my innermost self that I was this, that this is what I had. I started listening um, 
like my life depended on it to the directions in this book and the people who were happy to share it. And, um, and I am not the same person anymore. And so when I show pictures of myself, it's not um, for my ego to look, oh, look how great you are. You must have worked really hard. It's to bear witness. You know, it's to tell people this is possible. It really is. And, and yes, yeah, so stick around. Recovery is here. Thank you. With that, I'll pass. Thanks, Melissa. Okay, we have Vasa followed by Sherry. Vasa, good morning. Good morning. Larry, good morning, everyone. And I am grateful, recovered, compulsive Vida, calling from Florida. And I can relate with Bill's story, but I hadn't gotten to that point yet, by the grace of God. I hadn't lost everything, but I, well, I was on the way. I was early, in my early 40s when I came into over It is Anonymous. And, uh, yeah, uh, he, uh, from trembling to spearing, nervous wreck had emerged a man brimming over with self-reliance and contentment. And uh, I, you know, it was the beginning of my life with diabetes, high blood pressure, and I remember the doctor giving me kinds of diets and said, you know, you got to be careful, heart problems run into your family, my mother died from this disease. I tried, I tried everything before I came to Overeaters Anonymous. It's not like I didn't try. Believe me, I tried everything. I remember going to the Weight Watchers. I learned how to measure, I learned how to weigh, I learned how to count calories, but I could not stick with it. I could do it for a little while, but I would always go back because I was ingesting those sugars in, and that would set up a craving because they allowed us. Oh, you can have, you know, they combine certain things. You can have this after you have so many points or whatever. Well, I had no understanding the allergy. I had no understanding of the mental obsession till I came to the big book. What a blessing. What a gift, you know. And I was dying physically, emotionally, spiritually. I didn't think I was going to see my 45th birthday. I'm 71 years old. And I'm proud. I am proud to admit that. I feel better than I was into my 20s. You know, it's amazing. My life has been transformed um, because I adapted this uh, this uh, uh, this plan that's laid in the big book. Uh, I accepted um, the plan that's outlined in the big book, and I followed it because I didn't want to die. I was saying, I can, he can, and I will let God. Whoever is going to help me, I will let as long as I don't do this by myself because because I cannot do it anyways. So I'm so grateful that um, the big book was given to me, and here we are in the doctor's opinion, and it's just what a gift. This is a gift for me, and now we can pass it on to others. Thank you, and I pass. Thanks, Vasa. Sherry, it's your turn, Sherry. Sherry, it's your turn, followed by Kelly. Hi, this is Sherry. I'm a compulsive overeater in Montreal, Quebec, Canada. I want to thank everybody for their service. Uh, I'm really enjoying this meeting, and it's so fascinating that um, you read two, we read two paragraphs, and there's like so many people who want to share it because there's so much in every word in this and every paragraph in this book. I've been involved with OA for 13 years, and um, 
when I first got into the program, I lost my weight very quickly. Over one year, I lost 70 pounds. And I ran into people who didn't recognize me all the time. There was somebody I sat on a board with for many, many years who moved away, who came back, and he said to me, I recognize your voice, but I have no idea who you are. I know I have a very distinctive voice. And I told him who I was, and he was just sort of amazed. And the thing about it for me was that it was all ego for me. I loved it. I loved people rec not recognizing me. I loved all the attention I was getting. And, you know, in my heart, like everything in the book told me that I cannot do this program based on ego, that it was going to be a problem. But I didn't listen to any of that. Then I went to a meeting. That was one thing that, that one, one experience I was having. And then I went to a meeting and somebody said that they didn't like the program because the program was only about keeping them busy. Like there were so many things they had to do that they were so busy that they didn't have an opportunity to eat. And I don't know why, but it, it, it struck me as an incredible idea. She was mad about that. And I was so happy about that because the busier I was with the program, the less I was eating. And all I really cared about was not eating because I loved that my ego was feeding all of it. I, I mean, I loved that how good my ego was feeling and who I was. And then finally, I moved back. For, I was living in California and L.A. when I got into the program. And now I'm back living in Montreal. And in Montreal, the program isn't that strong. And I really, I had trouble with the meetings. I just, they, I just wasn't, they weren't working for me. And over the years, I lost my abstinence, even though I, I wouldn't talk about it. And I, I was pretending because I would have periods of good abstinence. But I found over the years that I had finally, recently, I had to say to myself, you know, you have gained 20 pounds over the years. That is not working the program. So what I did was I started going to the phone meetings and slowly but surely I started, and I made a commitment to doing 90 meetings in 90 days. And slowly I started clawing my way back. And it wasn't easy this time. And there was so little, it was negative ego involved because it was really hard work for me. I wasn't as young as I had been and Menopause was kicking my ass, but just clawing my way back into the program and doing every little thing and filling my time up with every little thing the program said for me to do. And, you know, I wasn't losing the weight as quickly as I wanted to. My ego was not where it was, thank God, because lack of ego is so much better. And I'm finding if I don't follow every direction and do every little thing, then I feel broken again. But when I do every little thing and I let the program take up all of my time, I feel better. And I am at the place right now where I'm really a gentle happy. reminder. Sorry, sorry. I'm going to just finish up that I'm not so worried about the weight for the first time. I'm worried about who I am in the world and how I can help other people. And, I'm, and it's good for me. It's good for me. So with that, I pass and I thank you very much. Thanks so, <clears throat> thanks so much, Sherry. Okay, we have Kelly followed by Julie. Kelly, good morning. Good morning, Larry. This is Kelly S., Recovered Compulsive Overeater in Oklahoma. Let me set my timer because God knows I like to talk. 
So, um, in the big book, um, this paragraph is so me, and I just felt really um, God-led to share on this because I know several of you have heard me say this before, So, <clears throat> but, you know, um, the I was a case of pathological mental deterioration, and um, I had definitely come to believe myself as hopeless. You know, I've been around this program for 30-something years, and I thought I had worked this program. Um, I had booklets. I had a booklet for each step full of questions, and I had done them all. And I had done it. So what was the deal? I'd worked the steps, yet I kept picking up. And in my terminal uniqueness, unlike you guys, in 30-something years of being around these rooms, I have never got together a year of abstinence. I couldn't do it. So I don't even know how anybody kept the food down that long, you know. Um, so I was, in my mind, as the big book says, the seemingly hopeless. I mean, I had done the program, and it didn't work. I worked all the steps. I had the booklets to prove it, you know. And I started listening to Vision for You, which was, you know, they say it's the renaissance because it's bringing us back to this book. You know, it's about this plan outlined in this book. And I started listening, first of all, it was sacrilegious. Y'all were calling yourselves recovered. But whatever, I was hopeless, so I didn't have anything else to do, and I was commuting, so I listened. And then they kept talking about the plan outlined in this book. Well, I've read this book. I've got four of these books. I mean, they're so outlined in every color. I'm like, well, you know, whatever. There's no real um, instructions in this book. I mean, I know the steps, but there's nothing really outlined. But, again, whatever. I'll just keep listening. And it, nobody had ever taken me through this book paragraph by paragraph from the very beginning. And as I'd read it, I was like, holy cow, there's actually instructions outlined in this book. You know, I've been around 30 years, you know, it was my best thinking. And I, you know, I, it was crazy to me to find out that was the truth. And so what, what happened for me is, you know, I became that mental deterioration, living in fear every day, because what was the point? I mean, I didn't have the balls to kill myself, but I hated my life. You know, it wasn't about being 125 pounds overweight. It wasn't about that I couldn't stop eating. I hated life. I hated waking up every day. I had so much fear. It was crazy. And so I put, I finally out of the doctor's opinion, put my foods down, my alcoholic foods, part of that is quantity, certain foods. I, I finally, the true elimination of alcohol, and I accepted the, the book. I do it exactly as it is in this book. And now I've had that entire psychic change. I read about that for years and wondered, what the heck are they talking about, you know? I'd be abstinent, and I'd live in those bedevilments. And nobody in my family ever said, wow, you're really recovered, Mom. Wow, you've really changed. My partner ever, never gave me compliments. I'm sure they thought I was a you know, raving, abstinent bitch, excuse my language. And, you know, I started doing this, and now I actually have people saying things to me about my personality change, my entire psychic change, which we'll find out later is all about a spiritual solution. So if you're like me and you thought you, you knew it all, just I'm going to wrap up here. Just stick around. Keep listening. Believe what these people are telling you. You know, do it as it's outlined. Give it a chance. And, you know, it, I, you know, I keep saying this, if it can happen for me, it can happen for you guys. And, you know, I was only seemingly hopeless. I wasn't hopeless. And with that, I pass. Thanks, Larry. Hey, thanks, Kelly. Okay, we have Julie. Good morning, Julie. How are you? Hi, good morning. Julie R. Recovered Compulsive Overeater in California. You know, basically, I'm, I'm a female bill. I mean, everything that they say in this paragraph is, was me. And I like to say was because, you know, I've had that psychic change. I mean, I was not your average compulsive overeater. I was the chronic one, um, the pathological mental deterioration. Uh, you know, I was a shell of a person that I was supposed to be because the food just removed that spark of life in me. Even though it gave me power and it gave me the ability to, you know, think 
um, I was powerful and I was able to live life. It, I wasn't. I was, I was just nothing, nothing like I was supposed to be. And, you know, it talks about not having hope. I was hopeless. I never thought that I would ever be able to not be able to stop overeating, that I was going to be die. I'd be like Mama Cass. You know, they'd find me, you know, with sandwich and wrappers all over my bed and 300 pounds. That's what I thought my future was. But, you know, I followed the prescription, the plan of action in this book, which, like everybody says, it's the 12 steps. But I had to have elimination of all of my binge foods, all of my alcoholic foods. And that included, uh, for me, also volume. I, you know, I have to weigh and measure my food because um, it just, that's what I have to do. And I accept that. And it's freedom for me. But I also live these steps every day. I cannot just put the book on the shelf and look at it from a distance. I have to be actively working 10, 11, and 12. It talked about um, from a trembling, despairing, nervous wreck had emerged a man brimming over with self-reliance and contentment. That contentment, that's peace, serenity, freedom, and neutrality. And I can look back from the days that I didn't want to get out of bed and that all I could do was get up to get more food to where I am today, where I am happy, joyous, and free. Not 100% of the time, or I would be perfect, and obviously I can't be perfect. But you know what? Food is just for nourishment. I have wonderful, tasty food, but there is no strings attached to it. And I am not that volatile woman all of the time. I am not the angry woman all of the time. I say that because I am sometimes, and I have to work on that. So if you are new, you can be free. Yeah, weight loss is phenomenal, but the emotional freedom, the spiritual freedom is the best. With that, I pass. Thanks, Julie. Okay, we can open it up. Who else wants to share? Annie R. Nessa R. Janice M. Denise R. Okay, I'm going to stop there if I can here because um, I think we have time if we go quickly with five people. If you guys would mute your phones, I would have thank you so much. Okay, I think I heard, was it, was it Ginny or Gina? Was there a Ginny or a Gina? Potato, potato. Okay, um, let's see. Can you guys hear me What's okay? Ginny Ale. Okay, Jeannie Ale. Okay, so here's what I have. I have Jeannie, I have Nessa, Janice, Roz, and Denise. Was it Ginny or Gina? It's Jeannie. Jeannie. Okay, Jeannie, good morning. Good morning. Okay, good morning. This is Jeannie Ale, a recovered compulsive overeater, and this is my first time sharing, and it feels really strange to say recovered, but I'm is real excited and happy and just real grateful. And the the thing that this stuck out to me this morning, it says, we frankly admitted and believed that for him there was no hope. And to me, that was just uh, no hope when I came and started experiencing uh, the, the, the a vision for you. I've been around uh, the program, been, been in and out, uh, but when I when it was suggested and I began to hear um, what was being said on the line, it was like there was just hope 
uh, within me. And then when my sponsor began to take me through uh, the book and the doctor's opinion, and I began to just see it was like a whole new light. I mean, I, I had seen it, read it, but it had never come to life for me that there was really actually instructions and that there was hope and I really could be recovered. That was just so foreign to me. And when it when he talked about how he saw um, Bill as a trembling, despairing, nervous wreck, and uh, and now and what he sees now, and that to me is hope. Uh, and those are the promises. And I am just excited about more of what is to uh, to come. And the thing about the brain injury, uh, there was such a depression and how I think and how I. I saw life, and I'm beginning to see it a life different now. I'm beginning to, you know, feel the, the joy, and I had not felt that. So I'm beginning. I'm just really looking forward to it. I'm grateful for the abstinence. I'm grateful uh, what the, the abstinence is actually doing to my physical body. But I'm so much more grateful for what it's being doing to my spiritual and my mental that I can be the kind of person, a better parent, or my, a better wife, and uh, just a better human being all all together. So uh, I'm excited about the the hope is of what um, the doctor saw after um, he had when Bill had come back to the program. So thank you um, so much, and uh, I'm just real grateful. So thank you for letting me share. Oh, thank you for sharing. Nessa, followed by Janice. Nessa, good morning. Hi, good morning. Oh, sorry, can you hear me? I can. Oh, okay, I just heard a beep. Um, This is Nessa R., recovered in Toronto, Canada. Um, I I didn't go to my high school reunion uh, 10 years ago because I was nearing 200 pounds, and... The last time that my classmates had seen me, I was weighing 105, and I was ashamed. I, I, was, I was really ashamed. Um, um, I was mortified when they, um, they put together a, like a booklet or something like that, and somehow they got a picture of me. Maybe my cousin gave it to them because she was a classmate of mine. And even though I didn't want them to see me, that kind of a way, they actually did got to see me from, from my cousin's picture, which was not very flattering. Um, you know, beyond the physical, I was a mad woman. I, I, was, I was a mad woman. I was constantly screaming. I was con- constantly, constantly disgruntled. I had been passed up for, for, a, for a promotion that I, I deserved. It was all because of my attitude. Um, then about six years ago, God put in front of me someone in whom the problem had been solved. Not only the physical problem, but the, um, the attitude problem, the personality problem. I don't even know what to call it. Um, and this was not a person whose life is perfect. This is a person who, like all of us, had challenges, many challenges. And yet, you know, she faced them with equanimity. She was content. She was happy and joyful, very, very practical. And, of course, she was in a normal body. And 
you know, for the first time, for the first time, and thanks to her, I accepted the plan outlined in this book, which is simple. Put the food down, become entirely abstinent, and then work the steps, you know. It says here, accepted the plan, not accepted portions of the plan or the, or the, or the portions that were convenient or the steps that, that, that he liked. He accepted the plan, the whole plan in its entirety. And I did that. And then the transformation ensued. And, you know, I've done things that I would have never, ever, ever dreamed of. Um, you know, like in my mid-40s, I took up ice hockey. I mean, I could, bar- I could barely skate when I started on the ice, and I've been playing now. This is my eighth season. And it's all because of recovery. Like, I, I, you know, like I, I wouldn't even have thought that this would be possible. Um, you know, people come to me and say, oh, you know what, Nessa, you really reinvented yourself. And I just, I, I just smile and I say thank you, but I think to myself, oh, if they only knew. But it's not me. I didn't reinvent myself. All I did was put the foot down and work the steps, and God did the rest. Like this transformation that I have now in a normal-sized body, you know, uh, uh, what I would hope is a pleasant personality, a calm personality. Um, it was all done by God, but I had to, I had to do my footwork. The outcome was God's or is God's, um, the footwork is mine, and my footwork is remain entirely and continue working the steps, and then it's just simple. The, the, the rest is just, just happens, you know, by God's grace and with that I pass. Thanks, Nessa. I'm going to check you into the boards here. Okay. Um, Janice, you're up, followed by Roz. Janice, good morning. Well, good morning to you, Larry, and uh, if you would kindly um, – Time me, please. Um, okay, I don't sure. My time. Thank you, thank you. My name is Janice M., and I'm from um, Massachusetts, Tom Brady country, and um, I'm a grateful, recovered, compulsive overeater. You know, it's just unbelievable. It's very simple for me now that, of course, I've you know studied and am recovered. What is the solution? Well, what am I looking for, anyway? A solution to what? A solution... The answer is at the end of the paragraph. This is the big solution. Let me find it. Goodness, goodness, goodness. Um, Do you know I just lost? Oh, a long time has passed with no return to alcohol. Well, boy, oh, boy. Let me see what my problem was. My problem was that I was so self-reliant on a method to have myself not eat compulsively. Well, I, I didn't know about the allergy. Well, I knew about it, but I, you know, and I would do it for a while, and I couldn't understand why I couldn't stay stopped. So now, there's the problem. Now, this is telling us the solution. There has to be a problem, the solution, and the way to get to that solution. So it it reiterates for, I think, the fourth time that the very first thing I had to do was follow the elimination of alcohol, elimination of donuts, of certain, you know, breads, or whatever my binge food, my alcoholic food was. Then I could accept. See, I can't do it. I can't accept the plan first and then think that the plan is going to get me abstinent and permanently. It doesn't happen. I tried it. Trust me, you can call me. Um, he accepted the plan outlined in this book. Now, we know what the plan is. The plan is the 12 steps. 
However, in order to embark on a plan, whether you have to put a toy together or whatever you have to do, there has to be a process to do that. So, therefore, the process produces in me a change because I'm powerless, and it produced a power. I mean, I I can't explain it. I can't tell you when. I can't tell you how. It just did. It just did. So, and then it produced the most revolutionary change in me. Not only that for one day I am not obsessed with having certain foods, I just don't pick it up because I don't, you know, it's like recoiling from a hot flame. I don't even want it. it it's, you know, it reminds you of a guy or a girl that you liked one time and then, you know, you break up and then you say, oh, after too many years, you know, what did I see in her? Or what did I see in him? Well, that's what happened to me. What, ooh, you know, it, that's how I feel. But the whole thing is he never returned to alcohol. That's amazing. What a miracle. That's the solution. Two and two is four. How did I get to four? What was the process? Well, it wasn't subtraction. It was addition. So it's so simple. This is what I do. The very first thing is entire abstinence. And this is the example he's giving us again with Bill as a reminder. And with that, I'm going to pass. Thanks. Thanks, Janice. Hey, Denise, I might hold you over for the next uh, for the next meeting if you'd be kind enough to do that. Roz, good morning. Hi, good morning, Larry. This is Roz uh, G. in Los Angeles, and there's some bit heavy static on the phone. Um, this, this section uh, gives me permission to show my before and after pictures. And um, as I was listening to all the shares this morning and thinking about my before and after, um, I have a little um, uh, photo uh, thingy, whatever you call it. Since it's like 4.30, my brain is kind of kind of getting into, into gear here. It's a little photo album, a mini photo album. Thank you. Mini photo album that I've carried around with me over the years showing my before and after pictures. And before uh, OA, I, I looked at those. I, I can look at my pictures and see see that I was uh, overweight, and that I would be smiling in all these pictures. And those smiles were mostly phony. And I so I'm so vain that you know that I have to smile for the picture. And I was thinking inside, I don't want to take picture, but my I have a cousin that's just an avid photographer, and he insists on family pictures. And I had to get in the pictures whenever we'd have a family gathering. And I was just mortified when I looked at myself. So, you know, I did OA and lost weight. I never really had a spiritual experience. I just lost weight and gained weight and lost weight. And I had some recovery, but I did not get recovered. And then recently, um, I just this last one, I was I t- I got a picture uh, last April with a bunch of LA City firemen. I was at um, a, a a charity event, and there was a bunch of firemen sitting there. And I just think firemen are are real sexy. So I I went over and uh, took a picture with a whole bunch of them. And I looked at the picture of myself once again having gained weight, 
And um, I was mortified once again and did a, a commercial weight loss program. But and then and then I finally got started listening to these meetings and 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 I'm I'm in a recovering state. I have I've abstained since December the 30th. But that but that picture with the firemen, my sisters weren't speaking to me. My my one of my daughters could hardly speak to me. My own two sisters, my mother didn't want to talk to me. She did because of out of her love of being a mother. But I was, my sisters were so disgusted with how mean and how, what a horrible attitude I had. It wasn't just my overweightness. I had a horrible mean attitude because I was so jealous of everybody else and so angry that I just look at that picture and I had a smile on my face, but I was not a nice person. And today, uh, I'm 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 recovering, and I've and I've realized how what a bad attitude I had, and I'm in the process of writing about that, facing it, and getting recovered. So I have a before and after, and that's what I see here in this paragraph. And I don't have the rosacea on my face anymore from all that the sugar that I was eating. So I'm recovering, and I'm really grateful about that. Thank you. I'll pass. Thanks so much. And Denise, if you would be kind enough to hold over to the second meeting, if you can. Um, thank you to everyone who has shared. Please join us for a second unrecorded hour of study immediately following closing. We're now going to close with a reading from the big book on page uh, 164, followed by the serenity prayer. And if Chris G, would you be kind enough to read for us? Sure. Thank you. Thank you for allowing me to do service. Our book is meant to be suggestive only. We realize we know only a little. God will constantly disclose more to you and to us. Ask him in your morning meditation what you can do each day for the man who is still sick. The answers will come if your own house is in order. But obviously you cannot transmit something you haven't got. See to it that your relationship with him is right and great events will come to pass for you and countless others. This is the great fact for us. Abandon yourself to God as you understand God. Admit your faults to him and to your fellows. Clear away the wreckage of your past. Give freely of what you find and join us. We shall be with you in the fellowship of the Spirit, and you will surely meet some of us as you trudge the road of happy destiny. May God bless you and keep you until then.